BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old School Grit, New World Ideas, Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be able to make friends. I'm just trying to make a little money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate, teach you. Call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Okay. I can't take it anymore. I've had it. I'm tired of talking about the kind of recession we're going to have. An endless topic, even on days like today, a sensational day, where the Dow inched up 160 points. The S&P advanced 0.99%, and the Nasdaq gained 1.36%. Wowza! What a run we've had. So tonight, I'm settling everything. Tonight, I figured it out. Tonight, I'm getting graphic. Tonight, I'm explaining what everyone keeps dancing around when we talk stocks by using props to make it come to life. In front of you, I have, and I'm going to say this word wrong because I'm from Philadelphia, I have three different salsas. I've got the mild, okay, i got the spicy, and i got the ultra hot. These are the choices, all right, right here. Now, almost no one talks about avoiding recession anymore because the Fed's slamming the brakes on the economy so aggressively. It's just going to be one of these recession sauces the temperature of which symbolizes the depth of the recession, the size of the dip, if you will. (laughs) And if you bet you get the wrong sauce, if you get the wrong sauce, well, it could cost you some money. So as I recover from what turned out to be a little hotter sauce than I thought, let's run through each variety. And and what you do uh, with them, starting with the one that doesn't give you a stroke, the mild. Now, for the past eight days, this market's been trading like we're headed for a mild recession. Why? Because of the banks. Instead of Tostitos, I should be calling this Wells Fargo. Right now, we've heard from a number of uh, banks in the last week, and their voices spoke as one. No matter what you might hear, the consumer has a dynamite balance sheet. And most people simply aren't feeling any downturn. It's true. They're not. Now, of course, there's a percentage of people that have it tougher, and I'm not going to deny that at all. But most people, if you look, if you talk to Bank of America, with Citi, you, 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 if, if you just talk to uh, JP Morgan, they're going to tell you the consumer's in great shape. When you consider the strong job market and all the money people saved during the pandemic, it's possible the consumer can ride out a wave of disappointment. But we don't trade the consumer, do we? 
That isn't what we do here. Not here in the New York Stock Exchange. It's like the consumer. Now, these are like, they're called companies. Companies will still have a downturn in their earnings. But many stocks have already come down hard in anticipation of a deeper recession. More like this. Uh, this so they're acting quite well here because they're down so much. Well, let me just give you a good example. Let's start with Micron, Micron Technology. Here's a commodity chip maker, semiconductors, with a stock that plunged from the 90s to the 50s in anticipation of a big slowdown in orders. When Micron reported, it did report an okay number. But then you know what it did? It slashed its forecast radically. What happens? Okay, sure. The stock goes down, I don't know, for like 10 minutes. It goes from uh, the high 50s down to 53. And next thing you know, boom, right back to 63. Went out at $63.64 today. Why? Micron was always already trading like we were headed for a spicy or even an ultra hot. No one was hurt making this production. Uh, uh, it's not Abenera recession. But if you think it's only going to be mild, then the stock deserves to trade in the 60s or maybe even in the 70s where I think it's going. And then there's D.R. Horton. Yes, Dr. Horton is people who don't know what they're talking about. Call it the largest home builder. Horton reported earnings this morning that were better than expected, but then talked about elevated cancellations and a moderation in demand. Although it also bought back a slew of stock. So what happens? Let's see. How much is it down? $2, $5, $8? No, morons. It was up. It was up because the stock was already very cheap. The morons, I, was, I meant to refer to the apes, uh, are selling less than five times earnings. So what does that, what does the stock do? It actually soars 3.76%. Even better. Okay. So now we got to start talking that this was about anticipation. People anticipated. Save it. Now, we've been dealing with this mild recession mindset for over a week now, and it's taken up a lot of stocks, especially the bigger techs like the semiconductors. I can make it also. Let me give you some others. So it's not just about endless about Micron here. Let me go a little more worldwide. I can make a good case for buying the stock of Amazon. Buy, 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 buy. In a mild recession. Amazon, which makes a small acquisition today in healthcare today. See that one? Makes it easier for you to see a doctor. Okay. It traded at 188 in November. Now it's at 124. Sell, 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 That's crazy. This is a pretty good company. Amazon's got retail, which matters because it's one of the few retailers that can get through a mild recession with flying colors. The other one that comes to mind is Costco, which my travel trust owns both of these. Amazon's got advertising, which is doing quite well, by the way. And then finally, Amazon Web Services, the cloud business which is going gangbusters. Certainly a lot better than the absolutely pathetic Snap, which reported tonight. And remember, you cannot buy traditional retail uh, stocks in this scenario. Their stuff costs too much. You know what else comes to mind? Disney. Yeah, Disney. Disney, because it's just, I mean, let's face it. This stock's down from 180 to 102. It finally lifted its head north of 100. I think this one fits the mild recession theory. Because its stock is down huge, reflecting a severe recession, not a moderate recession. The stock's no longer being dragged down by Netflix just because it's got a streaming service. And we've already seen that the theme parks are jammed. It's what I call a chicken growth stock for those who want to buy a bounce back candidate with businesses that will hum even a mild recession because no one's canceling their tickets to go to Disney. You know what I smell? Upgrades. All right, now how about a hotter sauce? If Wall Street starts assuming 
we're headed for a spicier recession, not just a mild downturn, then you're going to have to pull in your horns a bit. In the spicy scenario, you can buy the higher yielding stocks as interest rates will start to trend down, reducing the bond market competition. But you got to only buy high yielders that can still make their numbers. To me, that means the oils. Yeah, because they're now the highest yielding stocks, the S&P 500, led by the um, I, 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 this stock's getting killed. I can't even. It's like hard for me to look at. It's like putting. It's like putting hot sauce in my eyes. Pioneer. Na- Don't do that. Pioneer Natural Resources, which is now down huge from its highs. I like Pioneer because they have what's called a variable dividend. They throw a ton of money at you when times are good, and even with oil pulling back to 96 today, things are very good. They're a low-cost operator. I also like the half oil, half natural gas company that is Kotara with the stock down badly, that should be able to rob. These have been crushed. We cover, we own them for our charitable trust. If we were traders, we would have like said goodbye. We're not. We're investors. We're going long-term. Follow them. CMC Investing Club, morning meeting, whatever you want. All right, what makes me feel confident about the oils? Look, if we do get a spicier recession, remember this time? Eh, it'll be, it'll be, why will it be? It'll be because of the war in Ukraine. And the war in Ukraine is also the reason why oils carry a handkerchief, why they've got a global oil and gas shortage. So the oils, they're the ideal hedge. That's what I tell people. If things go bad, these are going to make your fortune. You may also want to buy the, the uh, dollar stores in a deep recession, namely Dollar Tree and Dollar General, as that's what consumers like to trade down. I know that their smaller packages often represent a false bargain. They're candy aisles to die for. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm telling you, like, they have every candy you ever had, like, the historical ones and stuff, like moo cows, cow tails, remember that? They're there. The, these stocks historically do go higher during a period of medium restaurant style. Finally, now, what happens if we're headed for an ultra-hot recession, meaning a real picante, one that burns you not once, but twice, Hoo-ha! In that case, you have to buy the ultimate defensive place. Now, we own a bunch of these. Oh, they're doing so badly today because it's such a good day for the travel trust because I don't want to take any of these possibilities off the table. They're all within the realm, the realm of what you can buy. We know the Fed's going to raise interest rates by 75 basis points next week, and they might do it again in September after they have their August break. But, hey, wouldn't you love me to have two months off? Can't beat that job. If we get more aggressive rate hikes to curb inflation, well, then stocks like Micron and D.R. Horton they will be obliterated. We will not want to own them. They're selling at five times earnings right now on the next numbers. But you know what? They're actually selling at 20 times earnings because those numbers will be cut severely by a real mouth burner of a recession. Anything related to advertising tech, the industrials will crush you. So what's safe in an ultra hot recession? What, you can, what can you buy if someone comes to you and, and, and just says, listen, you're only allowed to eat this? I think Johnson & Johnson fits. It's just reported a better than expected quarter. It's got a triple A balance sheet, 2.6% yield. J&J splitting the two, en- <clears throat> two entities. It's consumer products business and it's drug and medical device business. And the stock's now down huge from its high last month. By the way, the only crime that it's committed has been rotating from the hottest sauce to the mildest sauce. <clears throat> What's rotation? But uh, what do you think? I like, I, hey, look, I'm not, uh, you know what? Don't confuse me with those cooking shows, okay? 
or that show, The Bear. I, I can't stay awake for that show. And J&J doesn't fit the, uh, the mild scenario that Wall Street's anticipating right now. But if you want a diversified portfolio, you can't just bet on a single flavor of salsa. You need something for every possibility. You know what? Just because I am a charitable guy, you can also buy PepsiCo in this darker and hotter scenario. And I don't say that just because this company belongs to PepsiCo. Crucially, you know, Pepsi's doing well because they just report a phenomenal quarter with great organic growth. We know people still drink soda in a severe recession, and its raw costs like plastic are going to come down. Finally, I like Constellation Brands because, well, beer does better in a recession than not. Modelo, Corona, Pacifica, that's a long neck. Oh, man, kids like to overpay for that one. Particularly well, kids meaning over 21, particularly well in Texas. That's where it does well. That's where its major markets are, and it's unusually hot. That's fabulous beer weather. Constellation has been hit with a wave of insider selling from longtime seller insiders, the Sands family. That's okay. Look, it's been widely telegraphed. Can't blame them. They've been sitting on the shares. I think the stocks can rebound eventually. Don't pay up for it, please, because the family will keep knocking it down, giving you the business with your sales. Get better prices. Yep, here we go. We got mild. Okay. We got moderate. Oh, yeah, that's medium. And we got severe. These are the choices, okay? This is it. No more. It's like, oh, it's going to be serious. It's going to be a doozy. We said we gave you the whole Tostitas thing. Can we avoid a recession altogether? There's always the chance for no sauce at all, in which case a diversified portfolio definitely won't hurt you. But that's really beyond the Fed's control. To avoid a recession entirely, you need the war in Ukraine to end, and you need the Chinese economy to fully come back online. You also need the dollar to come down. Don't hold your breath, especially if you have the Caliente sauce in your mouth. (laughs) Bottom line, it's the recession, stupid. Right now, it's just the temperature that matters. (laughs) Doug in New York, Doug. Hey, Jimmy. Booyah. How we doing today? I've never been better. What's going on? Listen, congratulations on your new digs there. I hope they got the AC working for you. Oh, man, this is unbelievable here. Can you imagine this? You know, I slept here last night. It's dynamite. (laughs) They don't make me leave. I never have to go home. It's terrific. Plus, my wife visited me here, so I don't even have to worry about that front. What's going on? Out of boy. Listen, I'm calling about uh, an old an old friend of ours um, that's been, t- been taking a real beating lately. And I know how you're feeling about companies that aren't making money right now, but I'm talking about Twilio. They're supposed to be, Ooh, yeah. uh, hopefully, you got cash positive by next year. They're making a big split, supposedly, in, in the Canadian market. Doing no, they're much. doing all that. You're right. It's just that it's still losing money. So I'm rel- I can't. Look, i got to be true to my word, Doug. I gotta be true to my word. I am saying that if they're not making money, they're not gonna get my approval, even if I think they're good. Even if I think they're good. However, I will say this that if you're willing to own that for 18 months, I think you'll make you'll do do very well. But that's a long time in this world. All right, so let's go over it again. Just in case someone says that like, I didn't hear what he had to say. Mild, spicy, mad hot. The three possible kinds of recessions we face. There's always a chance we avoid a recession altogether. But I wouldn't hold your breath on oh, man tonight. A big night of earnings. Does Dow have what it takes to be a good corporate citizen and a good investment? I'm going to check in with the CEO. Then Mattel reported after the bell, and I'm breaking down the numbers with the toy maker's top brass. And Tractor Supply fell today after reporting second quarter results. So what was that? Does the street say no to it? Why don't we dig in with the CEO? And I may suggest that you stay with Kramer. 
Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Looking for a rewarding, life-changing opportunity that enhances the lives of children in your community? With almost 50 years of experience, Huntington Learning Center is the nation's leading K-12 tutoring and test prep franchise dedicated to shaping brighter futures for our students and franchisees. Huntington is the top revenue-producing supplemental education franchise in the U.S., an outproven system is the key to success for you and your students. The Huntington Advantage includes low startup cost, turnkey systems, dedicated support teams, national and local marketing support, and multiple revenue streams to help you build a life-enriching and profitable business. No education experience needed. In today's environment, the need for tutoring has never been greater. When you become part of Huntington Learning Center, you're filling an urgent need in the growing $5 billion supplemental education industry. To learn more, Visit HuntingtonFranchise.com. Make a meaningful difference. Pursue your dreams of business ownership and be a positive force in your community. Don't wait. Visit HuntingtonFranchise.com today. What do we make of Dow, the commodity chemical powerhouse that's seen its stock plunge from 71 bucks and change in April down to $51 today? Thanks to, of course, recession fears. I thought it was a solid quarter, but we are in mild recession mode, and you're not supposed to own industrials, even good ones, in a mild recession world. Well, Dow reported the morning, and sure enough, it got hit off those good numbers. But it talked about a dynamic environment, which to me is code for, hey, may not be that great in the future. I think that's why Dow stock got hit today. But at these levels, six and a half times earnings, 5.4% yield. Is it possible it's being punished too much? Earlier today, we got a chance to speak with Jim Fitterling, the chairman and CEO of Dow. Take a look. Jim, it looks like another good quarter. You certainly did the number that you said you would, and then some, paying down a lot of debt. And yet the response is muted. Is this just because people are too negative about the overall economy? Well, it was a good quarter, Jim, and the team did a great job to deliver in a a pretty dynamic environment. You know, we had China COVID lockdowns in the second quarter, and and obviously Europe was under some pressure in the second quarter. So I think that's a a really good result. People are concerned, I believe, about what's coming in the second half of the year. But demand uh, in a lot of areas is still pretty robust. The consumer strong. Consumer discretionary is strong packaging business, which is a big part of our franchise, is strong. Uh, Mobility, even though limited by logistics and chip supply, is still showing growth. And as China opens up, that's one of the big growth areas in China. Uh, I think in third and fourth quarter, we're going to see China GDP between four and five percent. That'll be a positive uh, quarter over quarter. Um, I think we'll see see some pressures, obviously, in Europe based on energy. And then um, Look, infrastructure, still good. Uh, We still have not deployed all the infrastructure spending dollars, and that drives a a portion of what we do in that sector. Well, Jim, I have to tell you, uh, to me, uh, when I looked at what uh, what people were doing, I I think that there were a lot of the of the people who are holders must think we're going to have a severe recession. And yet using the parameters that you just set out, even if things go bad, it feels it can only be mild. There's just too much strength worldwide to think that there couldn't be growth 
without much inflation. We're well positioned. Um, we've made investments early cycle in, in low cost regions, and so we're well positioned. Uh, oil, I am pretty bullish on oil. I, I just don't see much supply coming, and the demand for oil derivatives has been strong. And so our oil to gas spreads are at about $70 per barrel of oil equivalent. And I think oil is going to remain strong. Obviously, people are concerned about natural gas and, and about Europe's energy right. position. But our footprint in Canada, the United States, Latin America, the Middle East uh, really helps us a lot. And we have feedstock flexibility in our assets in Europe as well. So relative to European competition, relatively advantaged there. And we'll obviously have well, to manage through the wintertime. Right. But, you know, I, I guess to go to what I really care about here, you've got growth and decarbonization. I was speaking to Larry Fink the other day. Of course, the largest asset manager is BlackRock. And he's really going for decarbonization and growth and says that that is probably the prevalent theme right now among particularly younger investors. You are spending, and we mentioned about this all fair last time, a, a lot of money decarbonizing and yet still growing. And that is, to me, the fiddling Dow story. We are progressing with our decarbonizing growth strategy. We have a billion dollars a year of CapEx earmarked for that. Our large project in uh, Fort Saskatchewan, Alberta, is underway. We have projects in Europe right now to decarbonize one of our crackers in the Ternusen in the Netherlands. And we're working on projects in the Americas as well. We have more than 900 megawatts of uh, purchase uh, power purchase agreements for alternative energy. That helps us. So we're well on our way to that. We've got 30% reduction from 2005 levels by 2030. And we have a clear line of sight to be able to deliver that. And grow the bottom line by $3 billion. Um, so we've taken our earnings corridor from 6 to $12 billion through the cycle, up to 9 to $15 billion. And our balance sheet is as strong as ever. Our free cash flow has more than tripled since spend. We have less than a billion dollars of long-term maturities due until 2027. You know, we have essentially a very clean balance sheet and we're moving into organic investment. So I, I think that's good. We've improved trough economics and peak economics. And that's what you want a cyclical like us to do in this environment. At the same time, uh, when you do a net zero plan, uh, I've mentioned this to younger people and they say, oh, he's just buying credit somewhere. There can't be a net zero plan. But that's just not understanding the technology that you've developed, correct? We're, we're actually reducing actual carbon emissions scope one and two by more than 90 percent we're not doing it with offsets we're doing it with technology investments it's hydrogen and carbon capture in large assets like our crackers it is uh, alternative technologies for energy in longer term it's looking at uh, alternative electricity to be able to fire an electric cracker furnace we just started up a pilot plant in the Netherlands together with Shell last quarter. Uh, so we're working on that aspect of it. And we're also working on circularity with plastics. Today, uh, we announced 600,000 tons per year of investments with Mura Technologies. We'll be the off-taker. They'll build the assets. 
But these will be the largest world-scale assets ever built for advanced recycling capabilities. That's two-thirds of our 2030 goal of a million metric tons of recycled plastic products. So we're starting to see a big step change in the size and scale of these projects. Well, I want to congratulate you. I think that this is a, a remarkable achievement because you still you have growth in decarbon and probably I'd say more than anybody, any CEO I speak to. So you should be very you and your team should be very proud, Jim. Jim Fitterling, chairman and CEO of Dow. It is always great to have, have you on the show, sir. Great to see you, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up, time to tinker with a toy stock. Kramer says game on with Mattel next. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Many of the biggest winners from the depths of the pandemic have seen their stocks fall apart this year. But not all of them. Some people winning. Stocks like Mattel, the toy maker that's become one of the best turnaround stories out there. During lockdown, these guys made a killing as parents desperately bought toys to keep their kids entertained. You'd think the business would slow down as the world's going back to normal. But Mattel's stock is still up 12% for the year, even as it's pulled back a few bucks in recent months based on worries about higher costs and weaker consumer spending numbers. Tonight, though, Mattel reported a magnificent quarter, a big top and bottom line beat. And while management left their full year forecast unchanged, which is why the stock's down a bit after hours, I think they're just being cautious. So could this thing have more upside? Earlier today, we checked in with Inan Kreis. He's the CEO of Mattel to get a better read on the quarter and what comes next. Take a look. Inan, you're spoiling us once again, accelerating revenue growth when almost no other company has it. How are you doing this? Yes, Jim, this was another exceptional set of results for Mattel with our eighth straight quarter of top line growth. Our bottom line grew significantly with adjusted operating income up 82% in spite of high inflation. And following a record first half, we expect continued growth in the second half and are planning for increase in consumer demand in the holiday season. So all in all, very happy with our position and expect to win market share going forward. Well, given what you just said, uh, I might have expected you to uh, raise guidance for the second half. Should I just uh, get some comfort that you're being conservative? Because what you just described to me should put you higher than the current forecast. Well, we're, we reiterated first year guidance for strong top line growth and increased profitability 
in spite of significant inflation and negative currency impact. So we're very happy with our position. We have new product innovation and increased marketing coming in the back half of the year, together with additional space at retail and extensive promotional activations. So uh, expect uh, strong, uh, strong continued performance and increase in consumer demand. Well, what I like always, there's something new that is driving things. These, uh, b- these blowout results from action figures, new action figures, Jurassic World. Some of these brands have been around a long time. Why do they, why do they uh, ignite again? That's right. We saw excellent results in our action figures category led by Jurassic World, Minion, Lightyear, Masters of the Universe. And this really speaks to Mattel's capability to manage franchises and really drive evergreen evergreen brands and turn them into long-term success. Uh, this is something we do really well and how we leverage our creative capabilities, global supply chain and commercial uh, capacity to drive, uh, to drive these brands and position Mattel as a partner of choice for the major entertainment companies. Now, uh, the one area that I, I would have liked a little more growth, but you always have a lot of things cooking, uh, was dolls. And I want to be sure that dolls are on course, particularly because you got dolls in outer space. I mean, how can you beat that? That's right. Our dolls category grew 5%, led by Barbie and Polly Pocket. Barbie grew 7%. Uh, and again, another very strong performance of Barbie. And what is special now is that today we actually wrapped production principal photography for the Barbie movie exactly one year before we release it theatrically worldwide with our partners, Warner Brothers. And we could not be more excited about Greta Gerwig's vision and creative execution with Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, uh, our lead uh, stars in the movie, for what is shaping up to be an iconic cultural event. We're very excited about the Barbie movie coming up. Look out for that. Well, when I first uh, met you, you told me that this would happen, but you also told me it wouldn't be one and done, that there are other things, other movies that you have. I mean, to me, look, I don't know what you're doing with with uh, Elon Musk and SpaceX, but I want to see Barbie in space. I, I'll tell you the truth. I want to see the carbon neutral Barbie with, uh, do- with Dr. Jane Goodall. I mean, you've got a lot of interesting cultural aspects here that I think are very good for not just young people, but older people. That's right. We, we do a really good job in infusing brand purpose into all of our brands and categories and continue to build an emotional connection with our consumers. And this is a key part of our strategy. As we continue to grow the toy side of the business, we're also building, uh, putting together a strategy and continue to see growth in our IP uh, and in capturing value the, uh, in, in our incredible franchises outside of the toy aisle. And this is all driven by very clear brand purpose, cultural relevance, and great product out there. Well, I'm going to talk about cultural relevance because I think there are a lot of people out there, uh, particular ilk, who say, you know, it's all plastic. It just ends up in a landfill. But you've got dolls that are going to be made from recycled ocean-bound plastic. And your goals... Your decarbonization goals are extraordinary. I would think that they're a little hard to pull off. You think you're okay? Look, we take our role as a responsible corporate citizen very seriously. Our aim is to contribute to a more diverse, equitable, inclusive, and sustainable future. And we continue to make progress on all of these fronts, 
including, as you mentioned, uh, uh, creating and, and, and developing sustainable mo uh, pro uh, product made from recycled, recyclable, uh, or bio-based plastics. Uh, and our goal is very clear about that to achieve 100% uh, of our product and packaging made of these materials by 2030. And Jen Godel is an okay, a great example of how we created the doll from ocean-bound plastic, recycled ocean-bound plastic. Um, and we'll do more of that, and you will see that in the coming, uh, in the coming period. Well, what I want you to do is I want you to come. I want you, of course, to bring the Barbie that went into space. I got to have that. But then you have to bring the, the Jane Goodall, this line, because I think, you know, you're pretty much a visionary about this stuff. I mean, people need to know, because I still think that younger people are afraid to buy Mattel stock. Uh, now, obviously, institutions love it because it's been terrific. But I, I, you are doing so much more than everybody else to try to decarbonize. You deserve credit for it. And I think your stock would go even higher if people knew how much you're doing. Thank you for saying that. We are really executing a clear strategy on the corporate side is to grow our IP-driven toy business and expand our entertainment offering. You've been following the story for a while and you see how we methodically, consistently execute on our strategy and continue to see tremendous growth and putting Mattel now in growth mode. But we go beyond that and really uh, take as a role and a, a responsibility to influence consumer and contribute to a better world. We sell product to young audience, to children, and families trust us. We develop a very important relationship with parents that is built on trust, that we will do the right thing and continue to infuse important messages, important social messages into our product and embed that as part of a holistic experience for consumers. And that has served us very well and has been a key part of our success to date. Well, it's worked all the way. It's the kind of thing that we've now come to expect for you. As I said, you're spoiling us with these great numbers, but I think that's in your DNA. Enon Christ, chairman and CEO of Mattel with just another terrific quarter. Great to see you, sir. Thank you so much. Coming up, don't farm your home workout to someone else. Kramer plows ahead with Tractor Supply. Next. Holy cow, this is a brutal market for retailers. The caught between higher costs and then maybe even weakening consumer spending. And that includes some of the best names in the space like Kramer Uber Fave Tractor Supply, the largest rural lifestyle chain in the United States. This stock has pulled back from $241 at its peak in March to, of, uh, to 198 now. 248 to 198 including a nearly 9 buck decline today. If the company reported a strong quarter, I mean, what went wrong? Okay, in early June, Tractor Supply pre-announced most of the good second quarter numbers that we saw today. That's right, they pre-announced it, so we kind of knew what they were going to do, and that caused their analysts to raise their estimates. But the rest of June didn't go as well for these guys. There was drought conditions all over the country, and that may have caught, basically just made things not as great as we thought, but not bad. So while track supply still met expectations and even raises for your forecast, that forecast still came in below what some of the analysts were looking for. Now you know what happened. Still, I think that's exactly why it could be a buying opportunity, assuming we're only headed for, a, yes, a mild recession. But I don't want you to take it from me. I want you to talk to one of my favorite merchants in the world, Hal Lawton, the president and CEO of Tractor Supply, learn more about the quarter and the outlook for the future. Mr. Lawton, welcome back to Mad Money. 
Hey, Jeff, thanks for having me back on the show, and congratulations on your new set. Look forward to coming up there sometime and joining the show in person. And that means a lot to me because I know from your previous job you have a great eye because you've not just been at Traxpot, you've been at Macy's, and you had to me one of the you're one of the great merchants. And of course, you're at Home Depot. So let's first just clarify things for people. You did. You were the only retailer that said, listen, things are going better than expected. And then you have a bit of a drought in the cadence of the next month. But people on air were saying it was disappointing. I want to make one thing clear. There was nothing disappointing at all. It was just that you had already said that things were good. Yeah, we had an excellent quarter. Record-breaking sales, record-breaking earnings, record-breaking customer counts. Uh, you know, the team did a tremendous job navigating the myriad of macroeconomic factors and other conditions that are out there. Uh, and in addition to sales and earnings, you know, we have exit the, uh, the second into the second half of the year with great visibility into our expenses and inventory in line and right on plan. It was a very good quarter and just hats off to the 48,000 plus tractor supply team members for all their performance and commitment. I wore my tractor supply hat today since 1938. I actually wear it everywhere because I'm a proud person. You know, I got one on two and two in Jersey and it's just beautiful. All right. Now, I thought what Cal, what was really great about the quarter, there were a lot of people who were calling you a pandemic stock as if you were some sort of Peloton or spot. Well, I, I like Spotify, but you know what I mean. But the rural revitalization, revitalization and back to the land self-reliance themes have accelerated and we did we not only did continue to work from home we continue to want to work in rural areas how did this come about as not just being a fad yeah thanks jim it's a it's a great point we saw a significant uh, increase in our sales in 2020 and 2021 and then our business has kind of leveled back into a very steady cadence in these mid single digit comps and um, it's been it was very stable in Q1 in those mid single digit comps and very stable in Q2. And that's our expectation as we move forward. You know, if you look back over history, this is a business that's demand driven. It's needs based. Uh, you know, our we're the grocery store in many ways for our customers is the largest seller of animal feed, as an example, in the United States. Uh, and over the last 30 years, every single year for the last 30 years, we've had positive revenue growth. And every single year for the last 30 years, we've had positive comp transactions. This is just a very stable and a very consistent business. And we've returned to that post uh, post pandemic lift. Now, how you mentioned uh, that you're the largest at feed. There were some call questions on the call about how wheat is, seems to have crested, the corn seems to have crested. But you weren't so sure. You did not give us a inflation is subdued or over story at all in the conference call. Realist or just a basically uh, an acceptance of what's going on in the world? You know, I think our theme has been that inflation's persistent right. and consistent. And we don't see, you know, in the next six to nine months, much moderation, you know, perhaps from high single digits down into hot mid-ish single digits. But you know, as I said on the call, I mean, the big thing that we're watching is PPI and uh, PPI has got to start to turn before CPI, CPI. turns. And you know, PPI is a great proxy for all the input costs that we have as retailers in terms of our wholesale prices we're paying. And, uh, and you know, when once we start to see PPI moderate, we'll see CPI moderate as as with respect to commodities. Uh, you know, corn and wheat have had some pullback in the last couple of weeks. Those are big inputs into animal feed and pet food and other other uh, feeds that we sell. Um, but I think the jury's out if that's going to hold. You know, there's a lot of assumptions on yield, a lot of assumptions on cost, 
uh, and Ukraine and Brazil and a number of other factors that go into play. And, and I think the jury's still out on how that's going to play out for the back half of the year. Yeah, I agree with you. One last question. I, uh, you know I'm a gardener, Hal. I've done it for 38 years. The other guys just don't cater to me enough. You have really pivoted. I now feel like I'm not an afterthought when I go to my tractor supply. Can you pivot even more? Because I don't want to go to where there's plants that are dying outside because they haven't been watered. And I don't feel like I'm in anything other than an ante room to another store. Jim, I appreciate the call out on the garden centers that we've been building. Uh, our, our, we've had an incredibly bright 84-year history, but we think our future at Track Supply is equally bright. And we're investing this year nearly $700 million of capital in the business. That's up from $275 million in 2019. One of those big areas of investment is the build out of garden centers. And we exited Q2 with 230 garden centers, a little over 10% of our chain. Uh, and we're looking to have over 15% of our chain built out with garden centers by the end of the year. And they've been a big home run with our customers. We're seeing new customers flock to them. They're driving footsteps into our stores as kind of a destination category. It's bleeding over to the inside of the store. And to your point, we're dedicate, we're staffing them with garden center Thank specialists, you, and we're really catering to our customer. Less annuals and perennials, more fruit trees, more vegetables, shrubs, uh, and then trees for, for our uh, customers' land and pastures. And uh, they've been a, they've over-delivered on our results to date, our, our uh, expectations, and we're very bullish on them as we move forward. Amen, and I know it, and it's a joy because I don't feel like I'm a second-class guy when I try to raise tomatoes and try to raise my cucumbers. Hal Lawton, the president and CEO of Tractor Supply, that quarter was a good one, and this is a long-term story. Mad Money's back here for the break. Coming up, Kramer wants to hear from you. Your calls on the thunderous lightning round. Next. And then the lightning rounds over. Are you ready? Ski daddy. Time to comes up. Let's start with Adrian in Florida. Adrian. Jim, how you doing today? Booyah. Booyah. Couldn't be better. Thank you. How about you? I uh, can't complain. Uh, just curious what your thoughts are on them integrated shipping with the $11 dividend. Okay, believe it or not, that stock could be cut in half. That's the problem. That's why the dividend seems like it's a bit of a sucker play. I'd be very careful with that one. That's, that's my own view. A lot of people like it. Whoa, let's go to Steve in Texas. Steve. Hey, Jim. I appreciate you taking my call. Listen, uh, I'm curious my pleasure. about a- AVGO. Okay, I want to use, I definitely want to use their charging stations when I get an electric car. I don't know what I own the stock because the company does not make a lot of money. Let's go, I mean, like none. Let's go to Craig in Pennsylvania, please. Craig. Hey, what's going on, Craig? How are you feeling today? I don't know. I'm going to training camp soon. How about you? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing magnificent. I want to tell you about a stock that I had purchased uh, a while ago. I have a pretty good gain right now. It's about 11% that I'm up. And I wanted to know if I should wait for a pullback uh, before I go back in or if I should just go right now with uh, BC Properties. Beachy, I know. I came, I came, I saw I conquered. I love that company. I recommended it when I was in 15. You stay alone, that bad boy. Bye, bye, bye. Hey, we're not done. Let's go to Josh in Indiana. Josh. Jimmy, how you doing? Uh, 
Got a quick shout out. My friends over at Ticker Tape and Sultan Trades, they're all, I'm sure they're going to be watching faves. the show. Two of my faves. I yes, always talk baby. about them when I'm watching the bear. What's going on? Well, we've been, we've been digging around and looking for a great dividend stock. I was looking at V-A-L-E. What do you think? Valet, often mispronounced Vail. Um, I think that, that this is not the time in the cycle, the business cycle, that you want to own that stock. So let's say Ixnay on VLA. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Kramer gets bilingual on us. Why knowing the language of the CEO may save you a fortune. Next. Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. At times like these, you need to know some authentic Wall Street doublespeak. I'm talking about the secret codes that executives use to signal when business is weak. So let me give you a little language lesson. Just tonight, we had chemical giant Dow on the show. They had so many good things to say about the quarter, which was a solid beat fueled by strength in many different markets. Packaging, particular standout. They've also continued to be strengthened that balance sheet, something we always want to hear when we're worried that the economy might be going to recession. But several times during the conference call, management said that things are, and I quote, dynamic. You might assume that's a good word. It makes you think of someone with a dynamic personality, a force to be reckoned with. <clears throat> then it hit me. Dynamic is bad. You don't want things to be dynamic when you're running a business. You want them to be consistent, consistently good. Dynamic means things are subject to change, and change can be bad. I think the term dynamic is what pulled Dow stock down. Or how about Qualtrics, XM, a software company that helps measure and create better customer experiences. These guys had a good quarter with lots of signups and re-ups, but they also mentioned there was an elongation to the sales cycle. Elongation, hmm, another term that could be good or bad, depending upon what you're talking about. Elongation of the sales cycle is real bad. It means it's taking longer to close deals, in part because the world's in turmoil. There were many positives in the conference call, but the analysts seemed fixated on that word, blotting out anything good, suboptimal. No wonder the stock's down 64% for the year. I don't love this doublespeak, but when companies deviate from it, their stocks get hit even harder. Take ATT, which said customers are taking a little longer to pay their bills, something like two days to collect customer receivables, costing them almost a billion dollars for the quarter. They talked about extended collecting, but that's not really a euphemism. The stock dropped almost 8% in part because if they're really having trouble collecting their bills now, imagine how they'll do in a world with higher unemployment. ATT should have just gone with elongated collection cycles. Then there's another one, moderation. Could be good, could be bad. Moderation orders, very bad. We're not talking about all things in moderation by not eating too many Fritos. We're talking about orders moderating, going from good to worse. And therefore, the future looks less certain than the past. It's hard to get rid of this tension of moderation. Some words are obvious. We know churn, nothing to do with butter, just the loss of customers. Always bad. But one word I never want to hear is volatility. In the real world, that word means up and down. But on Wall Street, volatility is code for just down, as in the business is volatile, which means business is headed in the wrong direction. Almost no CEOs ever going to say things are bad and, or, or better top out of this. Things are disastrous. But now you know some of the words that they like to use to moderate the negatives. Be careful when you hear them. They can be the tip off that your stock is headed in a volatile direction 
and your losses are about to get elongated. I'd like to say there's always a bull market summer, and I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you next time. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.